Welcome to the Curious Audience. I'm Luke Ryan, and this week I'm coming to you from the Blue Mountains. Yes, I'm out of the studio and uh, testing out all this audio equipment in the real world. You may hear a few birds in the background. Um, at the moment, I am up in the Blue Mountains in Katoomba. I've been sitting on a cliff edge now for about a, an hour just watching the valley and just seeing which way I'm going to head off next to do a bit of investigating and what's amazing is in the past hour the visibility down here has gone from about 10 kilometers to now about a hundred meters as this really thick fog drifts in and it's getting worse and worse by the minute so I picked a really good day to go wandering off in the bush this week I managed to come across an extraordinary individual called Yowie Dan now, you might be familiar with Yowies. They're those chocolate Kinder Surprise toys that uh, we all see at the supermarket. But for Yowie Dan, that means a little bit different. He's not a chocolate fundraiser or a chocolate supporter. He is something completely different. And Dan had a couple of profound experiences which changed his life. So, I'm going to let you jump straight into this interview. And I'll be here in the Blue Mountains when you're all done. Enjoy. For most of our listeners, including me, a Yowie is that chocolate treat that you see in the supermarket, always competing with the Kinder Surprise. But for my guest this week, it means a completely different thing. So I want to welcome Yowie Dan to the podcast. It's great to be here. Thanks for uh, having me on the uh, podcast. Thank you so much for chatting to us and, and sharing your experiences. So Dan, what does a Yowie mean to you? A Yowie means to me... Uh, bipedal, hairy, ape-type creature that wanders the Australian bush and we just don't know that much of and that's why people like myself are researching them to find out what exactly what they are. And so this creature is typically a, a Aboriginal dreamtime creature that, we, that people may have read of, but you've actually had an encounter with something like this. Yes. Well, way back in 2005, uh, to me, before then, Yowies were just a chocolate or a Dreamtime story that the Aboriginals had, like many other stories that told about the creation of of Australia and and Gondwana and their, all their all their kind of uh, you know what they believe in. Um, and I was at Appen Greyhound Track, which is you're looking about. 60 to 70 kilometres south of Sydney uh, for people that, you know, not from New South Wales or Australia. So um, Appen's a, a straight track. It's not a circle track. So you just go past Campbelltown and then you go down Appen Road and it's just off there. So basically I was there, uh, it was in July of 2005 and uh, it was winter, of course, for being July, very cold, a lot of fog around. And so I was waiting down the bottom 
which they call the bottom because there's two boxes. There's a 274-meter box and a 366. That's how far they run. Anyway, um, I'm down the bottom waiting with um, one of my greyhounds, and um, she'd never barked before, never heard a bark at all. She's a pretty quiet greyhound, and um, I was taking her there to get fit to uh, like a run, uh, a distance race, which is 500 meters or more. And uh, that straight track was, it's good to get your young dogs balanced up. Okay. Yeah. You get young dogs, like riding a push bike. You just can't ride a push bike straight away. You've got to get your balance. Where young dogs, when they run as fast as they can, they take a long time to get their balance. So all dogs, all dogs that have had injuries. So straight track's good for that. So that's why I was there. So anyway, this track opens up at 7.30 in the morning and first in best dress. So I'm about the fifth trial. And so it takes about 10 minutes between each trial to get the bunny to come back down on a lure. It's really slow. So I'm down there for about half an hour. So I'm standing around just keeping the dog warm, walking around and stuff like that. So I'm standing down at the bottom boxes and everyone else is up the other boxes. So they're about 100 metres away from me. So... I'm standing there just waiting, you know, for my turn. And all of a sudden, while one of the trials is going, my greyhound turns around and just starts barking into the bush, which is really, um, like, not common for them because greyhounds just control – their whole focus is just on the greyhound um, – what do you call it? The lure. Mm-hmm. It's the lure sound and the lure. They just look around like, oh, where is it? Where is it? Because that's what they're trained to do, chase the lure. So she's not even worrying about that. She's turning around into the bush, which I'm like, what's going on? Her name was Sally, just a, a kennel name. And so I'm Sally, what's going on? And she's looking at me and then looking back in the bush and probably took about 10 seconds of me asking her, Sally, what's going on? You know, and she's kind of like, oh, it, like agitated, all anxious. And then next minute, this big roar just comes out like, Whoa! like, and I describe it as something the size of like Andre the Giant, like a wrestler wow. from the 1980s, which people would realize a big man like the yep. big show from the WWE, but huge. Like, you can't, someone like myself or normal person can't expel. The, the the noise out of their lungs. I can't even get anywhere near it. I'm not even going to try. Um, and he made this noise, and my dog was just barking, rah, 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 rah. And she was doing barking like when dogs kind of stand in between the danger and you, and they try to protect you, and they got a bark, but it's kind of like they're scared as well. So, uh, and she was like, all her hair was standing up like she was electrified. And, and I was just like, what the hell is going on here? Because I'm not into yowies or nothing. I'm just there to trial my dog. So she's barking frantically. This thing's screaming, probably screamed for about five seconds. The massive howl scream. And it, then all of a sudden it shook this massive gum tree, which was about the thickness of a basketball. And it was going about a meter left and right crack. You could hear the big roots underneath just cracking in the ground, just crack, crack, crack. And then the tree was just leaning up against other big trees to hold it up. Otherwise it would have fall over, would have just went straight over. And then it ran away like, like I say, the biggest sledgehammer hitting hard dirt ground, thud, 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 and all bushes just getting broken away, bang, bang, crash. And I was just like, all right, Sally, we're getting out of here. And we just took off up to the other boxes. And that was all that happened, you know, there. So, 
yeah, we're pretty freaked out. Just me, both me and the dog. We seen the people up at the other boxes and we did, did you hear that? And they go, what? But your dog looks freaked out and you're white as. And I'm like, yeah, something just screamed at us. It wasn't a dog. It wasn't a big cat, like a cougar or something. It wasn't a person with a microphone. I don't know what it was, but look at the tree. And they're going, oh, yeah, the tree was just like leaning. And I'm going, that's what happened. It ripped the tree out of the ground. And I was just like, all right, after I trailed the dog, still trolled her and after we went home and um i looked up like what could it be and i'm first thing come to mind was a yowie um so i i looked it up and got on the ayr australian yowie forum website and joined up and started to ask some questions and that was where my uh, it all began for me Wow, I can't believe you went back down to where the tree was after that happened. Well, I, I paid for the trial and <laughs> I actually walked down the middle of the track with the guy that sets the bunny up and I told him about it and um, he actually put the dog in the boxes because I jumped in the car and took off. <laughs> so, yeah, I was a bit af- like afraid back then, like what? Just asking questions to myself like what happened, What's what is it, what's going on? So I didn't expect that to happen that was the last thing i expected to happen and so when you went home did you you know you said you did some research and that's where you kind of were able to match it up with the yaoi that you already knew or no that was online yeah yeah so yeah the dean harrison runs the australian yaoi research page and there's a forum so you can join up as a member and and because my name's dan um, it was Yowie's. I just went, uh, Yowie Dan, that'll do. So that's just how it was. It and was it just stuck. like a two-second thing, Yowie Dan. So um, I didn't – because people have all different names to get on there. Anyway, um, so I just started asking questions. And um, guys that had already been doing this for 10 years before this, they're back in the 1990s, and um, saying, yep, this is what, that, what happens. And uh, so I wrote, um, like, my story up and, and then Dean put it on the AYR site. And then later on, um, uh, they got the audio reports. So it's about Glenbrook on the audio reports as well. Mm-hmm. So on the Yowie Hunters um, page, which is AYRs. How long was it um, until you returned to the, the Greyhound track? Um, actually, on that Saturday, because we had Greyhounds running, so I thought it was pretty safe with a lot of people around. It didn't really shake me that I would never wanted to go back there. But even when I was there on that, that Saturday, I, I kept looking down to the bush going, what was that? And I was telling people there, like, what happened? And they're like, what? What's going What do you think it was? And I'm like, oh, I don't know, but it could have been a yowie. And a lot of them go, yowie? I'm going, yeah, I don't know. So, <laughs> I don't know because it wasn't a dog or a cat or a person. They're like, you, you had to be there and listen to it. And mm. I, say to, I say to people, I wish I had a sound recorder running because you'd have the best scream, howl, yell, roar ever. From a Yowie. Wow. And since that time, since that encounter, you've been on a bit of a journey continuing to find out more and and to research these Yowies to find out as much as you can about them. Yeah, yeah. So basically it took a few years to start getting – uh, so, so it was like I was an apprentice, really. I was learning from the guys that had been doing it for a long time, and I was asking a lot of questions, and I was taking a bit from every different researcher, and I was trying to work out the best methods f- to to research them and find out, you know, what's what and 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 how to do it the best way. So I, I was really 
it was really a good time for me to be in that situation because there was a lot of good researchers out there that aren't around at the moment. They've a lot of them have just like they they still believe in the Yowie. They've just you know. It's, it's, it takes a lot of time to keep mm-hmm. researching. You got to, you know, travel to places and that. And so I, I asked a lot of questions, and um, still to this day, like I asked a few people, you know, different things that are older than me that are still around at researching the owies. And um, yeah, I just gathered a lot of information, and and then thought, all right, I'll put this together to what. I think, and um, made my own little way up of how I'm going to research the creature. And I've just gone ahead to go into the uh, Blue Mountains, which is not far from where I live, and which is one of the biggest hotspots in Australia with the most sightings and still to this day. And um, just gone out and, you know, basically camped out into places by myself. uh, And I really didn't have anything other than like a little camera to start with. and just basically uh, and a sound recorder and put the sound recorder out and basically hoped for the best. So when you do go out in, in the Blue Mountains in the bush there, what things are you looking for to show you that there may be Yowies present in the area? Well, on the odd occasion, sometimes you do get prints in like very – like weird areas, like you'll go somewhere where there's no trails and you'll go down a, a, a ridge and you'll go to a sandy area on a creek and you might find footprints. Sometimes they're smaller ones, sometimes they're big, uh, broken you know, trees that you think there's no wood ants or no, um, what do you call them, the um, termites to yeah. or any kind of infestation like bugs or anything to make them fall over. There hasn't been any high winds. It's not a drought where the trees die, droughts, hasn't been really cold because the cold can kill trees. It does dehydrate them, and then the wind comes along and blows them over. So there's a lot of conditions that will make a tree fall over. But when they're all falling over in the same direction, and you know it really hasn't been that really – hasn't been high winds, and then you start finding other things uh, like you'll maybe find a den – where it's really big for, you know, it's not going to be for like a little fox. Mm-hmm. And you think a big creature has been in here, you know, like like a maybe six foot high creature, big thick build. Um, so it's different things that you find that are really peculiar for the area. And, you know, you come back, I'll set up trail cameras, which I've never really got anything with a trail camera. But really what I use trail cameras for is what, food might be around with wallabies and different other animals so um and then you look around for berries and things like that because there is berries native berries which could be poor they're poisonous to us but they might be able to eat them they might have a stomach like dogs they can eat things that we can't and not get sick Mm -hmm. so you look for there's a lot of various things out there and um then you just think all right i'll just keep researching this area for a while I'll put a sound recorder up or two and then you, you you might hear howls or you might hear something walking around, which you know it's not a kangaroo or wallaby hopping because the hopping mm-hmm. noise to someone walking is very different. So once you hear that, like something walking around, you know, well, there's something in the area. So, all right, I'll go out there at night time and I'll camp out there and I'll see if I can catch capture it on the camera. So that's this- what that's, in, in doing my research for, for chatting to you, I've listened to a few different um, sightings and encounters. And it's, it's just amazed me how many there are and how um, uh, spread out across the Australian landscape they are. 
And it seems to me, uh, judging from just the few that I've listened to, that there are some characteristics which seem to go with every Yowie sighting. There are things like um, throwing rocks, um, tree knocks, which is, uh, I believe is a form of communication, um, the big heavy footprints, and then this this roar that seems to kind of elicit uh, a very primal fear reaction in in whoever is encountering this yaoi. But there's a couple that are really weird that I wanted to get your take on them. There was one yeah. where um, the person has this really distinct smell, almost like they're they're being overwhelmed by a really bad smell, like something compared to like a skunk smell, something just so rank that it, it overwhelms their system. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, it's happened once to me. Um, if you know where Wentworth Falls is in the Blue mm-hmm. Mountains, um, if you go to that turn off off the uh, Great Western Highway and just before you get to Wentworth Falls, uh, you turn right to Conservation Hut and then Conservation Hut and then you walk down, it's called Valley of the Waters. And you go past Empress Falls, which people do abseiling at down there through the waterfall. And you keep on walking down and you get to a part where if you turn left, it's called National Pass and you go back to Wentworth Falls. Or you can keep going straight down and straight down leads you to Vera Falls, which is probably another hour to get down there. Anyway, I was about just past where the National Pass turns goes to the left back to Wentworth Falls. And I was on my way down. So it was probably a quarter of the way to the Vera Falls. And I kind of just got that feeling that something was like looking at me. Because when you go down that way, I think I've only ever seen probably two or three people mm-hmm. down at Vera Falls. It's not a very clear track. Um, it does say experienced hikers, but it's a really nice area once you get down there. And I got about quarter of the way down and I got that feeling and then all of a sudden I started smelling this really putrid smell um, I thought I might have been like because it's so wet in some areas in the Blue Mountains where the sun doesn't get to and you get a lot of um, perforate, perforated wood and stuff like that there could have been that but I've never really smelt that ever in the Blue Mountains because I've been in a lot of areas like that because once you get it down in the valley, there's over one side that gets a lot of light and the other side doesn't. So you don't get that smell. So I'm like, what's this smell? I don't think it's the plant life. So I kind of hung around there for a bit and just kind of like laid down and had my camera pointing back for where I come from because that's where the smell was coming from. So I thought something was following me, but it was like it smelled like uh, like a burnt electrical smell, Something like a, a like a stink bug, or like a if whatever a skunk would smell like. It was just really bad. It was really rank that I didn't. I'll probably film for maybe two minutes, and then I got to get up and get out of here. So mm. it did follow me for a certain amount of time, maybe a couple of minutes, but then it disappeared and it was gone. And I didn't get that feeling of being watched again while I went down to Vera Falls. It almost seems like that sort of um, thing is. Uh, something that can be controlled, you know, switched on and switched off. Um, yeah, it could be, but it's probably because these animals live in the bush and, you know, they don't exactly have a bath that, that we know, you know, have a yep. shower. So <laughs> it just could be that, you know, they're there and then, you know, they've checked you out and all of a sudden I'm like, all right, I'm, 
I'm going this way. So they leave you and then they get out of the direction of the wind. So that's not coming from uh, them. Okay, so yeah. it's all about wind direction as well. So if they've gone away from that wind direction, that's coming towards you. Well, then you're not going to smell it. Mm. And they, and like, look there, there's reports there where the creatures where I've had, um, Oh, witness reports from my on my Yowie Times magazine that I've been doing since June 2017 that um, these creatures can move really quick uphill. Like they're going 60 to 80 metres uphill in a few seconds and a few strides, you know, like they'd leave Usain Bolt behind. <laughs> and um, that's how quick they move. And these are people that, you know, just going for a jog. Next minute you just see something go whoosh straight up the hill and like it's all hairy and they're like, it's not a person. The person can't move that quick. So that's probably why that smell doesn't hang around that long. They check you out, okay. yeah, and then they just take off. There's another ability I've, I've heard of, and I've, I actually, as luck would have it, six months ago I read a book called Monster, and it was all about someone who was abducted by a, a Bigfoot, and it was set in kind of um, North America on the border of Canada and, and America. And in this book, and, and I've heard other encounters which say, they've experienced this where a yaoi made almost like a child like whale or a very, very feminine cry or whale where the person who encountered it thought someone was in distress. Like a human was in distress in the bush. Have you heard of anything like that? I've heard, I've heard that through other people, um, you know, reading about it. I haven't actually read or, or, or heard about it or seen it on, on like a documentary, but when um, we were making the documentary track um, in the last year and a half, two years, um, we did – Attila, the producer, did use a baby cry in one or two of the places we went to to try and attract yowies. So, yeah, it is something that has – you know, that has been heard, but I haven't heard it or really gone into that kind of, you know, thing about yowies, yeah. Okay. And just a moment ago, you mentioned the magazine that you, is it you publish it or you edit the magazine? Well, I, well, basically I, in, in June, 2017, I basically, um, uh, I recorded some howls, um, which I just put down Yowie howls. Um, look, I can't hundred percent say it's from a Yowie, but they were really, really loud. Like a dog couldn't make these howls because when a dog, makes a howl and expresses all the out of it lungs. It's, you know, the howls at the end start going, ooh, kind of thing, where these howls were just strong all the way from the start to the finish and went for like 35 minutes on and off. Wow. And then the creature went across the creek near us and there was another couple about 80 metres away and I was with my wife and another researcher and we heard nothing all night other than that. It was exactly quarter past 11 at night, went to grab the zipper to get into my tent saying there's nothing here and it went off and I recorded them on a parabolic dish and then they went into the bush near us and we all had our torches on and the other people are freaking out and they got out of their tent to light fire so um, yeah so uh, well, I, I started the Yowie Times because I had a story like that and I, I couldn't publish it anywhere it was only AYR and I thought we were, there's magazines in America and, and other places around the world I'll just start a free magazine and if I'll get other researchers and see if they want to write articles and you know so it's it mixes up all the time because it's just what I can get mm -hmm. but um, it was every month there for a while but 
just to normal life like work and etc i just made it every three months just this last year so um it's just so i can keep the quality up because every month you, you just can't get nothing it's like it's not like this yowie ex, um encounters every week mm-hmm. you know and there's new stuff so it, it it does take a bit of time before you know something pops up and then you can put it in your yowie times and um so I've had some people write for the Yowie Times and they said, look, I'm, you know, I can't, I've got nothing left to write, you know, cause it's hard to keep writing an article every week, yep. every month. Sorry. So, um, yeah, I've had a go and since then and it's for free. Um, I don't, I, I just, it's a, it's a love. It's a passion that I have just to get it out there. And it's like every time I do it, I'm like, Oh, am I going to have enough for the next one, even though it's three months away? But it just stories just seem to pop up, and people send me stuff, um, encounters or eyewitness reports, um, and then people want to write an article, and I'm like, yep, it's it's a it's for free. So um, anyone wants to join, it's on Facebook. Look up the Yowie Times uh, Facebook page, but email Australian Yowie lowercase at gmail.com to um, be a subscriber and then i email it out on the 7th um of the of the month when it's uh due to come out excellent we'll put those links into our bio for this episode so any listeners who who listen and have an encounter or want to know more can um go and look that up yeah because we have a there's stories or articles actually that are about how to like clean up sound recordings what the good cameras to use you know it's like there's a tips and technique one one's about written by different uh uh researchers that you know have gone out and have tried and tested things and then they've written about how the best way to work out how far you know the creature was when you recorded it and how heavy it was and how to bet you know how to work clean out sound recordings and best cameras to use and stuff like that so it's not just about yowies it's about different other things as well so it's i kind of mix things up to try and make it interesting every time so how how heavy do yowies get well they're all different sizes like humans you know humans are all different sizes from different ages but you know they've been told them they're a few hundred kilos you know people have described them saying they're two or three hundred kilos because they're that big you know and the they've said they're seven eight foot tall and then their chest is three or four foot wide Hmm. you know and they're just all muscular and then some of them are like that big but they're skinny so it's all different it's just like humans everyone's big small fat skinny you know, they're the same way. It probably does depend on how much food there is, if there's a drought or, you know, where they're living at the time, you know, what animals are around to eat. You know, it all depends on that as well. And so with all these encounters you must come across uh, with your magazine and researching yourself, have you ever come across any stories where um, the encounters have been particularly aggressive or the Yowie has been violent to the person it encounters? Um, the only one that well, – I know Dean Harrison was attacked in the Blue Mountains and had bruises on him, and he runs the AYR. Um, uh, Attila, who's the uh, the producer of track, he had a rocks thrown at him when they were up there actually doing something, nothing to do with Yowies. It was filming something else. Um, not far from when that happened to him, um, near Mount Solitary, I camped and I had a rock thrown at my tent 
Um, if anyone knows about going to Mount Solitary, there's one trail there. Mm. And at night, if you haven't got a head torch or a, 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 you know, a torch, you're not going to hike down there. It's, it's extremely dark. Um, so I had, a, I had a rock thrown at my tent. Um, and then I've had a few other people say that they had rocks thrown at them or they've been kind of um, like guided out with a few of these creatures kind of doing like a semicircle and they've kind of shaken the bushes and stuff and making a little bit of noise. And then the researchers just went, all right, it's time to get out. So they kind of heard them out mm. and then it goes quiet once they uh, turn around and walk away. It's amazing like when you hear the descriptions of them and how big they are, you would think they would be so aggressive and see you almost as a food source or at least, you know, I'm going to hurt you to get, get you out of here. But it doesn't seem to be that case. There seems to be some sort of intelligence there that they'd prefer you just to get out of there or leave than to, to actually engage you one-to-one. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've, um, I've kind of come to you know, realize, but I, I, I don't know how true this story is, but someone that I know that really doesn't tell any crap actually knows or knew someone that worked in a police officer in the Blue Mountains. And in the Katoomba area, they found two bodies over a stretch of time. I don't know how far it was. It could have been five or 10 years apart, but the actual heads were ripped off the torso. So it was like, the skin and that flesh was torn, not cut. So how much force does it take to rip a head off a body? Wow. That's what that's what was relayed to me. Um, and that was one was in the Jamison Valley in the Blue Mountains, and I'm not sure where the other one was, but that's what I, I was told by someone that I, I, I that I believe he's telling the truth if the story told him is true. But that's all like that's all I was told. So yeah, that was a, I always think about that when I'm going out there. Wow. What, do yeah. you do anything in particular to prepare for the possibility that you might come face to face with a Yowie? Yeah, you kind of um, um, you think about you know h- how big they're going to be and what they're going to be like. Are they going to be you know aggressive or they're going to be you know friendly and just check you out and go? So that does you know come across my mind. But I I, I don't take any weapons out like knives or anything out. It's mm. just you know. I go out there and you know think that everything's going to be good. So yeah. I hope, fingers crossed. <laughs> I'd almost think maybe if if you were in that way of of wanting some protection, you'd take something like a noisemaker or or something that made a foreign noise that would just kind of startle them and make them think twice. Yeah, that'd probably be the best thing if you like, yeah, like an air horn or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you did that, it, pro- it probably like if you blew one of them right near your face, it, it'd hurt your ears. Your eardrums would hurt. So, them being a big creature that probably got bigger eardrums, it probably hurt them more than us. So, mm-hmm. it'd make them want to run away. So, yeah, that's probably something that I'd probably more likely buy for um, protection. Yeah. So, what equipment do you use to to try and find out information about the owies? Well, I, I do have a two trail cameras and they do have audio capabilities so they can record audio as well as take photos or videos like everyone else haven't had much luck but like i said i've more than likely over a period of time learned just to use them for food sources and that um sound recorders are pretty good i've just got a sony note taker and another sound recorder and basically i'll leave them out in the bush i'll just put them in like a tube um 
what I'll do is I'll put some batteries in them and then put a power pack. So I'd probably get about six or seven nights worth of recording. The daytimes, I don't really take notice of anything in the daytime because you just don't get anything. There's too much noise um, from airplanes and animals and noises, you know, from birds and stuff like that. And I've never really had anything from uh, from the daytime. But from 6 o'clock at night till about 6 a.m., um, that's when you get start. You get weird noises. So that's a lot of people think that Yowie's are more nocturnal than or or diurnal. They'll be out in daytime, but they're more sleepy, and then all they do all their foraging and eating and stuff at night, okay. and all everything. So because it's they're less to be you know to be seen by humans or or other predators. Um, so yeah, so I've used sound recorders uh, and 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 the trail cameras, and I've got a 4K camera. That's got night vision, but I've added IR lights to it, so I can see in the dark. That's so it can awesome. be pitch black dark, and I can still see. Um, plus, I've just purchased a parabolic dish from America, and uh, I can. The other day we were out, and I could hear people at least four or five hundred meters away, and I could hear what they're talking. I could hear every word they're saying from that far away. Um, they could have been further away. That's I'm just estimating, but I've recorded two uh, wood knocks and one was just from uh, the Bungonia National Park which was last Saturday we went down there I went with another researcher David Reed, and he researches in Canberra around Canberra and and and, and them places and um, we had it at Adam's Lookout and it's probably at least 250 300 meter drop maybe more to the bottom it was a bit windy there, a little bit, but um, we just placed the um, dish away from where the direction of the wind. And um, 10 seconds after I hit record on the uh, sound recorder, because I've got it hooked up to a digital sound recorder, and I can put um, headphones into the sound recorder and listen to it as well. So 10 seconds after um, I turned it on, I recorded the wood knock. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's money well spent right there, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it cost a bit of money. I'm telling you now. So, yeah, so it's well worth it. Um, it's really uh, like a game changer because I just had a small parabolic, but this one here, it's it's more directional. If you point at one area, um, it 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 can hear anything from a long way away. It's got a 55 centimeter dish, so um, it's still if anyone walk anyone's walking around you near you, it'll pick it up. So basically, we're on the lookout. And I just said to everyone, look, just sit down on the chairs, mm-hmm. be still, be quiet. We'll all get a turn and we'll all listen. And um, so, and I asked them, I said, oh, I did a video on my um, YouTube channel, Australian Yowie. And I said, did you hear that wood knock? I just heard a massive wood knock. And they went, no, we didn't hear it. So, and it recorded it way down. So if you look at the uh, the video that I made, it's it's got to be at least 250, 300 metres to the bottom of that of, of down there. So it, we, we, we're we thinking it's somewhere three quarters of the way down, um, just right, maybe a couple, probably 200 metres right of, there's a mine there, a okay. limestone mine. So it's about two to 300 metres right of the mine if you look down from Adam's Lookout. Wow, there you go. Anyone in that area can go and check that out if they're feeling cur- courageous. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's had its fair share of um, encounters and sightings over the years. You mentioned um, the Blue Mountains as a particular hotspot, in particular the, the National Park and Megalong Valley. 
Are there any areas in and around the Blue Mountains that are, uh, have higher levels of Yowie sightings? Um, Hazelbrook's been pretty known for a lot of sightings. There was a one called um, Flatfoot for yeah. a long time, and Neil Frost, um, he was, uh, and people that lived in the same street would see it or hear it regularly but that was a number of years ago so uh, they think it's over died or moved away um glenbrook where i had uh, a video footage of one and uh, i actually saw a small junjity there that was pretty active in 2013 there's been fires and that come in there since and it's the activity has really died down so it all depends on um where the activity is and then uh, how much food is there and where the fires are. So if they're active in one area and then a fire comes through and burns it out, well, of course, they're going to move somewhere else. So yeah. that's just common sense. So it's it, it, cha- it chops and changes all the time. So that's why you're always going, all right, I'll check this area out. So you might check it out. Instead of just doing one week, you might just do a month or two. It's, you know, if they're going to be there, you're going to pick them up. So if you hear a lot of stuff happening, like a lot of, you hear wood knocks and you hear, you know, creatures running around and you might hear a vocalization, hear tree breaks and stuff like that. So, so that's when you'll go there at nighttime and research. But if you don't hear anything, well, then you just pack up and go to another area and keep trying to you, you come across them. Okay. And so you've already mentioned um, tr- if we're looking for Yowie sightings, you're looking for the trees broken off at, at higher points and the footprints and tree knocks. Is there yeah. anything else that kind of signals to you that there may be a yaoi in that area well i've come across a few dens where it's you know there's no dogs there and there's no you know no one's living in the bush there no there's no hermits or anything but you'll see these dens and the the grass is in a in a circular motion like the apes would do like gorillas and that Mm. so they could sleep and then sometimes in the trees you'll see like nests you know what looks like a nest where sometimes they've said that they live in trees and they'll make a nest in a tree so there's different signs and then uh if you might see trails that you 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 go off trail and you walk through the bush a bit and then you'll just see these well-worn little trails going into nowhere and you're like what's doing that and and it's if it was only just maybe knee height and you, you think all right and it's un- and, and then you see the trees and the little bushes kind of going in like a ha- half circle motion you know it's wombats mm-hmm. but if it's higher about shoulder height head height of a normal person and all the everything's pushed away you know something big's been going through there so there's you know just other than tree breaks and footprints and stuff and there's other things that you could you know you can spot and then there's like you know you might get areas where you'll see little saplings in that broken and you're like what's breaking these saplings you know so there's all different things that you can pick up than just you know tree breaks and and, and footprints i'll tell you one thing that i, I went from researching in the wadigans which is up Cessnock way around the mid north coast there and I went with another researcher and we stopped at a because there's a lot of sightings from the Wadigans over the years. So we went um, to the Pines Campground, but the Pines Campground kind of stretches over a long, a few kilometres. It stops and starts kind of thing. So we kind of went to the first one after you go through Kurumbong and then you go up the dirt road and it's the first one on the right after a few kilometres travelling on that road or the dirt road. So we got there and there was a few campers there. So we wanted to go 
over the ridge. So we waited to the afternoon and it got dark. So we actually was, sorry, it was two o'clock in the afternoon. We went over the ridge just to look at what was going on around the area. So it was really dry. And I said to my fellow researcher, Adam Ward at the time, and I said, look, I'm just going to go down to the creek because they're usually hanging around where it's like there's water, it's greener, there's more food up here. This is more like a transition zone where they'll go from A to B. So I've gone down. He says, I'm going to stay up the top. So I went down there. There's a lot of vines. It took me about 20 minutes to get down there. And I had a camera. Didn't really have a good like recorder on there, microphone. Okay. And I think I had, I think I had my finger over the microphone at the oh. time. Anyway, uh, this thing growled at me, like something growled at me, and I thought it was a dog, but it was a real guttural growl. And next minute, it's just taken off off the ridge, and we got little like walkie talkies, and I've said, Adam, there's something coming up towards you. It growled at me, and he's like, What? I don't think so. I'm like, Yeah, I'm telling you, it's coming up towards you. You'll hear it. And he goes, I can hear it. I can hear it. And then so I'm like, all right, I'll just look around here for like in the area for like footprints, which I couldn't find. It was just too much leaves and stuff on the bottom. So it's gone running up the top of the ridge. And so it's kind of realized Adam was up there. So it's run along away from him. So I could hear it run along the top of the ridge, which is probably 100 meters from where I was. Then I could hear Adam chasing it. And then they just took off. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to go back up. So I fought my way back up, took me another 20 minutes, and we're still talking on the microphones. And so Adam's going, is this really weird? It's running away from me, but all the leaves are moving like it's predators. It's see-through. I can't see it. And I'm like, well, that's why probably I couldn't see it because when it ran up the ridge, I, I could hear it, but I couldn't see it. But there was no trees or anything blocking my vision. And so it's got up the top, and it's he's chased it, and then – so I'm got up there and I'm looking around. I'm like, I can see footprints, but Adam goes, No, that's me. I was standing there. That's not it. So I've kind of like panning around with this camera and and so it's kind of gone along the ridge, but it done like a big D shape, a big half circle motion to come back to where I was, but maybe 50 meters away from me. And I've kind of caught it and it's just walking down through the bush back to, to the creek. But it was walking about as fast as Olympic walker. See, when you see Olympic walkers, you don't think they're going fast, but you see people running as fast as they can next to them to keep up with them. So they're moving really quick. And this thing was, wasn't tall. It was probably six foot one, six foot two, but it was solid as like a real dark brown or a chocolate or, or, or a black, chocolate brown or a black. And, it, and its arms were swinging like, you know, you would use your arms to get the speed up. And I could see it in between every second big tree. I could see it for a second or two, then see it and see it. And I got my camera out to film and I zoomed in, but by the time the camera kind of focused because it was not the best camera at the time uh, and I missed it. So then Adam's come over and chased it down through the bush and um, and then he's, uh, I can't go any further. It's just too thick and it just disappeared. Oh. So, yeah. So that following night, we went back to the same kind of area and something come roaring up through the bush and stopped right on the edge of the trail. And we had our like night vision cameras and our parabolic dishes and we recorded that come up, up the bush and it stopped and we just couldn't see it. It was like it wasn't there. It was just like it blended in the bush so well. And we kind of walked in the bush and couldn't see anything. But this thing charged up the bush. But when, when it come up to the trail where we were, it was just like it disappeared. So that's the only time I've come across that. But, you know, like, like, look, that could have been a big 
rude, but it didn't really mm. sound like it was hopping. It sounded like it was walking. So I'm not I'm not sure what it was, but it was it was really weird. When you say you couldn't see it, do you think that was just an example of how well it camouflaged? Yeah, that's a possibility because even when I I go out um, hiking and I'll just go to Glenbrook or somewhere in the Blue Mountains to check things out, you know, you walk along next to me and something moves next to you and it's a wallaby and it might be only three metres from you, but you can't mm. see it because it's like, what do you say, the hair is like black and brown and all. it's all mixed up like, you know, the bushes, Australian bush, there's always a bushfire gone through. So there's always black and browns and greens and greys. And, you know, the wallaby and the kangaroo just stand there still. You can't see them, yep. you know, when you're just walking along. And when they move, they kind of startle you a bit. And, oh, it's just a wallaby. But you think, gee, I couldn't even see that. It was only like three metres from me. So, yeah, that's that's probably what the Yowies do. They, they've grown up over a millennia in the bush and they've they learned to just like, blend in wow i was wondering you know this is you know a paranormal event it's it sounds like a lot of people have experienced a yowie encounter but what do you say to people who don't believe you or question the 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 realness of this yeah there's there's a lot of people question the validity of it and are they a real thing and um, what I say to them, come out with me, come out and spend a night out there with me. I'll take you to um, a place where I know, we'll, you know something will happen. And now you, after you, you experience it, you try to th- work out what animal it was. And, you know, uh, most times we can work out, you know, foxes make weird noises. Um, you got owls, um, some night birds, um, possums, koalas make some really weird noises out there. Even, uh, platypuses make a scream and growl. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, on YouTube, I made up a video about all different noises from anything from native um, fauna to like deers and, 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 and that. So um, the more you go out, the more you realize and know what, you know, what noises these animals are making. But some noises are really weird. And you're like, what is that? Well, Yowie Dan, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Um, I'm sure our listeners have got a lot of um, interest out of that and enjoyment. And um, our listeners, if you're interested in Yowie Dan or Yowies in Australia, um, follow the links in our bio underneath where we'll link uh, Yowie Dan's magazine and his YouTube channel so you can find out a whole lot more information. And it's definitely worth checking out. I watched his video on the weekend with the... um, the microphone he was talking about and the the wood knock and it was really interesting. Thanks very much for that. Well, welcome back. How was that? Wow. I mean, extraordinary stories and, you know, you could be like me. I'm someone who believes in the mysterious. I, I want to believe that our world is full of things that we have not yet explained. Or you could be like some other people, including Moretta, who are very scientific and very uh, methodical and analytical. And it sounds like there is a logical explanation for everything. Now, let me tell you, I've been out in the Blue Mountains today. I've spent a bit of time in Wentworth Falls following the big waterfalls there, and now I'm up in Katoomba. And so far, I haven't found anything. I've been looking for all of the signs that Dan had told. 
those trees broken off midway, looking like something had rushed through. I've been looking for um, like footprints and, and really, really close compacted areas of bush. And I've been to a couple of areas that probably see a bit more foot traffic than what would be preferred. And right now I'm in a very remote spot that only a handful of people would know if you were a local in the Blue Mountains, which I used to be. Now, it's actually getting a bit creepy here now because the fog has moved in. Before the interview, I probably had about a 100 metre viewpoint. We're looking at about hmm, 20 now. There's a couple of trees off in the distance which are getting a bit blurry and I can't see them. So I'm going to have a little bit more of a wander in the bush. I don't think I'm going to find anything, but I'm not willing to say it's busted just yet. I think a weekend is needed to go really deep into the valley and see what you can find. Where I am now, every so often I can hear noises from humans, uh, planes going over the top, cars off in the distance and things like that. And I feel like I need to get further away, further off into the distance to see if I can actually discover anything. But thank you so much for listening to our interview with Yowie Dan and for supporting the curious audience and my passion for podcasting and we'll see you next week